This podcast is a presentation of Gateway Fellowship, Paulsville, Washington. Experience community, find hope. Check us out at gatewayfellowship.com. Just welcome to you. If you're a guest with us, um, we're so glad that you're joining. For those of you online, we're so glad to be able to join you where you're at. And, and uh, it's just our hope and our heart this morning to be able to, to just continue to have us all move forward in the things of Jesus. And so, as you can see here, we've been in this series called Following Jesus um, for, for multiple weeks now. And what we've been really trying to convey and trying to unpack is this concept, this idea of how Jesus was so countercultural in the way that he lived his life. There was a way that people were living, but Jesus was kind of going upstream in the way that he lived. The things that he seemed to do were so different. He came proclaiming what's something called the good news. And see, well, everybody, and I love that um, Natalie talked about the first responders this morning and how they, how they entered in. That's really the way that Jesus lived his life. Well, everybody was walking away from the people who were difficult or walking away from the people that were the outcasts of society. Jesus, oh, look at this guy. He's going to, come on, Bob, come on. Much, oh, too kind. This is a man who knows. Let's give Bob a hand. Come on, we're going to, this is going to fit with the theme because um, you're about to see what Jesus says and Bob's about to, he just helped bring an illustration to this whole entire thing. I once was blind, but now I see. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so Jesus was walking, walking towards people that other people would walk. Oh, there you are. How about this? Yeah. So Jesus was walking towards people that, that everybody else was walking away from. And he was proclaiming this thing called the good news. And for us, um, you know, if I ask you, like, what is the good news? What is the gospel? And some of us might be able to just be able to say, yeah, I know exactly what it is. For others of us, we kind of struggle through, maybe put something together around it. We're not quite sure what the gospel is. We kind of have some ideas about it. But one of the things that felt really important for us is to ground us in some of the things that are basic, that are core to elements to what the gospel is. And we can find out a bit and piece of what that is by seeing what Jesus said really early on in his ministry. You see, Jesus was in a moment where he had just started this tour around proclaiming about who who God is and about the love of of God. And as he went from place to place, he would make these proclamations. And eventually, he came back to his own hometown, Nazareth. And when he got to Nazareth, he he came into the synagogue. And as he did, um, he was sort of like the the preacher of that day. So so if you can imagine, synagogue is sort of like um, church, the Jewish church, kind of like we're gathered here today. And he was the one that was going to speak, kind of like I am today. And as he went in, somebody handed him a scroll, and it happened to be from uh, the prophet Isaiah. And as Jesus took this scroll, he started to look through it. And as he did, he found himself landing on a specific passage that he wanted to share that day. And as he did, we'll pick up in the text to see exactly what it is. It's going to come up on the screen here and pick up in verse 18, where he starts to read what was written. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released. He is, uh, to captives will be released, that the blind will see. Thank you, Bob, because now I, I'm a part of that. And that the oppressed, and that is a word that I want us to capture this morning because we're going to be looking at this more, that the oppressed would be set free and that the time the Lord's favor had come. And then after saying this, Scripture lets us know that he rolls up the scroll and he sat down. All eyes in the synagogue, looked intently at him intently. And as they just looked at him, it said, then he began to speak to them. 
And he said, the scripture you have just heard has been fulfilled this very day. And I don't know about you, but I have ways that I imagine scripture to be. I think that, that scripture is absolutely hilarious in moments. I think that there's moments that I play out much like the movies, but I see Jesus in this moment. This is my imagining. I mean, they didn't have microphones back then, but I just see Jesus in this moment after he says the scripture has been fulfilled this day. I just see him like taking the microphone, dropping it, and just walking off. You know, just like, it's done. I'm letting you know I am that guy. I'm letting you know the embodiment of the good news is in me, and it's happening wherever I go. And this thing that I'm looking to proclaim, it's a good word for the poor. It's sight for the blind. It's freedom for the captives and the oppressed. And the immediacy of God's favor is being poured out everywhere I walk. It's here. The Lord's favor is here among you right now, breaking through. This is, in essence, the gospel message. Good news is available to us all. And he said this to a people who were once so mighty and so powerful. I mean, these were the Israelites. And the way that their story goes is that they were the, God's favored people at one time. They were the people that, that God's presence dwelt among. They saw the manifest presence of God. They were the ones that were powerful. They were the ones that were conquering nations. But when Jesus came on the scene, they were the ones now being oppressed, conquered, ruled by the Romans. The manifest presence of God found in something called the Ark of the Covenant that was no longer with them. It was as if God's presence had left and in the midst of the oppression, in the midst of the sense of wondering where is God, where he sh will he show up, there was a shred of hope that they were holding on to. Would something happen? And I think about the times and the ages that we live in right now, where some of those same parallels can be this, the case for us. Where is God at? Is he at work? Is there any hope to hold on to? You see, it's into that context of the oppressed people that Jesus spoke these words. And this is where we pick up today. And all of these things we've been looking at, good news to the poor. Tom talked last week about us being on mission, about we're called to be living out this discipleship life of leaning into the things that God has in store for us. We pick up today in this series, if you're joining us, you're joining us at the end, as we talk about this area of oppression. Not necessarily exciting, exciting thing to pick up on, but that's what Jesus talks about, oppression. Oppression is one of those words that uh, I have felt like, wow, there's a lot that I need to learn about this. And as I did, um, I started with the best place. Well, I don't know if it's the best place, but it is a place. Uh, I looked it up on Google to see what it has to say, because we know Google has all knowledge. Uh, not at all. But it seemed like a good spot. And it says this, oppression is prolonged cruel or unjust treatment or control. Prolonged, cruel, or unjust treatment or control. The second thing is, that, is this. It's the state of being subjected to the unjust treatment or control. It's when there is this sense of something sitting over in which people are not able to, to express, to be able to move. And you know, in today's age, the rhetoric that, that comes up so much around this whole area of oppression, um, it's so convoluted. And much of the social media, the things that I see, it's almost as if the conversation has moved to this idea that oppression is something that's just happening really uniquely in this day and age, that it's only happened in America, it's only started like in the past 200 years. 
But I want to let us know this morning that oppression has been with us since the fall took place. We see it happen in so many cases, so much so that God has to step in and intervene and talk to the people about, hey, here's what it means to be a people that are just, because he saw things that were going on. We see in Leviticus 19 that Jewish judicial systems were weighing in favor of the powerful people. He said, that's not okay. Even way back then in the Bible, we see people and institution offering loans of excessive interest. And God's saying, that's not okay. We see people and institution having unjustly low wages that are being offered. And God says that that's not okay. And I know that to even bring that up, that's a hot topic nowadays, especially in the place we live. But here what God has to say to these people in the, in the book of Jeremiah, he writes to the king and lets it be known. He says this, and the Lord says, what sorrow awaits Jehoiakim? who builds his palace with forced labor. Listen to the imagery. He builds injustice into its walls, for he makes his neighbors work for nothing. He does not pay them for their labor. You see, the issue of social oppression has been a thing since the fall of man. And if that's the way that King Jehoiakim lived out his life and oppressed the people that are around him, you can only imagine that there were people who were oppressed who lived without any sense of hope in their life. And that's the way it ends up happening, right? When people are dealt with oppressive ways as a constant way of being, we start to lose hope. This happens with groups of people as well as on an individual level. It happens in secular communities, but it can also happen in church communities where oppressive rules are placed on people about how to live out the spiritual life. And it has a way of draining life out of us. So I remember uh, being four years old, five years old is what it was. And uh, I wanted to play this game right here. You, you played this one before? There it is. Some people know it's Uno. If you have not played Uno, um, welcome to Earth. Like, this is a game that this is a game so many people have played. It's a great, great, great game. And uh, I remember playing when I was five, and I had my aunt, my aunt Stella that was with me. And as we were playing, um, she, we pulled out the cards, and she said, "Hey, hey, Mario, I need to go use the bathroom. Um, you go ahead and deal, and uh, I'll be back in just a moment." I'm like, "Great." So she takes off. And as she takes off, I went through all the cards, and I pulled out all the black ones. And I gave them to myself, the draw fours, the draw twos, the wild. I have my whole thing loaded, and I just deal her out like, you know, sevens, fours, all the different colors, like, there you go. She comes back, it's like, game on. So we start to play, and um, she's like, well, who goes first? I'm like, oh, you, you can go first, go right ahead. She puts down her card, wham, draw four. So she starts to draw like, man, good start. She starts to take some of the cards, pick up a draw four. And I don't know how you played Uno, but the way we played Uno is that if they drew, it was our turn again. And so that's the way we played it. So, so she's picking up her, her cards, her draw four, and I have my next card, bam, another draw four, I lay down. She's just like, wow. And she starts to pick up more, and I, and I get this little smile on my face, and I put down the wild card, bam, put it down. Um, let's say the color is blue. She's looking at me like, what? And I'd put down my draw two blue, and she's like, okay, something's going on here. 
And do you know what she said next? I'm done playing with you. I'm done. She got up and she left the room and I was here holding my last little cards. I, I didn't win. She sure didn't win, but she was done. And you know, I think that's a picture of what happens so often in this realm of oppression, isn't it? You see, we know that if we can move forward, if there's just something else we need to do, like we know we just need to try a little bit harder, we know that we can move on in life. But when we know that the cards are stacked against us in life and circumstances, it brings us to a place where we want to give up. We don't want to move forward in that. And when that's the case, we find ourselves wanting to give up, or even worse sometimes, we start to strike out in anger and strike out in rage, whether it's against us or against others. We become hopeless. You see, it's into these contexts, when it feels like there is no hope, that Jesus speaks a good word. He has sent me, Jesus said, to proclaim that the oppressed will be set free. You see, if you're here this morning, or you're watching online, and you feel like you're experiencing some sort of oppression, I want you to know this. If you're feeling like you're defeated, I want you to hear this this morning, that God is for you. God is for you. Psalm 9 says these very words, the Lord is a shelter for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. Psalm 146 says, he gives justice to the oppressed and food for the hungry. The Lord frees the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are weighed down. The, love, the Lord loves the godly. You see, if you feel oppressed this morning, if you find yourself in a spot where you feel like injustice is in your life this morning in some way, God is for you. God's heart is for you. And the good news is this. What Christ came to do goes way beyond even dealing with whatever circumstances you might find yourself in this morning. Because you see, the societies that we live in right now are getting better and better at trying to treat, trying to step into recognizing that there are physical oppression that people find themselves in here and around the world, and there's a hope to alleviate that. And as Christians, we're called to be a part of alleviating that as well, but even more so than the physical circumstances that get to be addressed, and we are called to address them as Christians, and we'll get to that in just a moment. We are called to step into the oppressive ways that things are experienced in this world. But more importantly, more and more depth Jesus said, I've come to do something more because there's a spiritual oppression that can take place in our lives that our souls experience. And the news that Christ came to proclaim is that he has come to set us free from the oppression that cripples our souls, things that cripple us from the inside. Craig Keener says this, he says, the oppressed, the brokenhearted, are those who are oppressed by the great enemies, the devil, the world, and our flesh. Today, the world around us is being manipulated by the devil more and more to be our enemy. And he says this, the only release from the oppression of this world is in the solace and comfort of forgiveness in Christ and the promise that comes with it, the promise of eternal life. The only, the only solace that we can find is when we come to Jesus Christ Paul says it in this way. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free 
And don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. You see, there is no greater freedom to be found than what can be found than having our souls be set free. I don't know if you know this, but there are Christians all around the world right now in the most horrible conditions, in prison, on the run for their lives, shunned by their families. And in the midst of it all, they have something deposited deep within them. They have something within them because they recognize that their souls are set free. Their circumstances are absolutely horrible, but inside they continue to move on. They continue to follow Christ because they know that their souls are set free. Where it counts most, they are free. This morning, I want you to recognize the same thing is true for you if you're a follower of Jesus. Worldly systems might be against you. Demonic beings might seek you as prey. But the truth is, when you embrace Christ, he sets you free. And we are called to follow God in the same way. You see, as we live into this reality, we are called to follow Jesus in the way that he, he lived. Not to step away from these difficult conversations about oppression, but to move into them. Not to simply see somebody who's in a difficult place, but to step into it with them. He came proclaiming and living it out, and we do the same thing. You see, it starts by recognizing our calling. Paul says it in this way in Galatians. He says, you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. And so if we're going to live into the way that Jesus has called us to live, we have to recognize our calling. We're called to live in freedom. Do you know that you're free this morning? You are people who are free. And Paul calls you to live into that freedom that you have. So what does it mean to live into it? It doesn't mean just we get to do whatever we want. Paul qualifies this idea of being a free people. He goes on to say this, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. As a people of God who have been set free from the oppression that this world brings, we're called to live as free people. And in that calling, we're called to serve one another in the way that God has created us to. We are people who have been set free to serve. And so as we serve, we find ways to help those people who are in need. You know, I know for many of us, we live in Paul's, but when it's easy to kind of feel like we're insulated from the worries and struggles of this world because we don't have it sitting in front of us like we do in so many places. But do you know that there are people in need all around us? Sometimes it requires us to open our eyes, to be on the lookout. But all around us, people are in such dire need. Here's God's challenge to people who might find themselves in the same place, going through the motions of Christianity. He says this to people who find themselves going through the motions of faith. He says, no, this is the kind of fasting I want from you. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burdens of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who are in need and do not hide from relatives who need your help. Jeremiah says it in this way. This is what the Lord says. Be fair-minded and just. Do what's right. Help those who have been robbed. Rescue them from their oppressors. You see, we're called to enter into the difficulties of people's lives. 
not just to talk about it, not just to see it, but to enter in to people's lives. So how do we do that? You see, it requires an intentionality on our part. I appreciate there's an author and a pastor, his name is Tim Keller, and he helps bring some, some light to what this looks like, and he, he kind of gives some different categories for it. And the first one that he gives is by offering immediate relief. And this is a little bit, if you know, if you, if you happen to be familiar with the way the, the Bible's set up, um, one of the things that, that Jesus talks about is this Samaritan guy who sees somebody who is hurt and, and broken down on the road. And as he goes by, he sees that he's in need. And so he picks this person up and he provides immediate relief for that person, make sure that they're taken care of in that moment. And that's one of the ways that we can be about this as followers of Jesus in everyday ways. Maybe you are intentional. I've loved this. I've seen people do this, where they, they intentionally have toiletry bags all set up inside their car, where they have things in there because they know when they come to a light, there might be somebody there who's asking for some help. And in that moment, you're already prepared to just say, hey, I want to bless you. Here's something that I can give to you. Maybe it's a charity that you find that you say like, hey, this resonates with me that I know they're doing good work and I want to give to that charity. Some of us may approach it from an organizational way, and that's what we try to do here as a faith community. Many ministries here at Gateway are geared this way. Our food ministry, gateway counseling, guided prayer ministry, our visitation team. We partner with Olive Crest and with Scholar Road to help people who need immediate relief in their circumstances. Maybe for you, the call is to step into one of those ministries to help out, to be a blessing. But then there's another way. And this way is a little bit more difficult because there's providing immediate relief, but then there's also this thing called providing personal development. And this one requires more of us. This layer is so much more consuming because it's providing care to such a degree that a person is able to move beyond their circumstances. It's one thing to give in an offering. It's another thing to invite somebody into your life. And this level, this layer, is something more and more that our faith community has to be about. It's important for us to give with immediate relief, but we see Jesus entering into people's worlds, saying, how can I bless you? He walked with people, and we get the calling to be able to do the same thing, to provide personal development in people's lives. And that's why I love ministries here at Gateway, like Celebrate Recovery. They aren't just here for a moment, but they walk with people. I think about things like life matters, and they recognize that regardless of whatever stage that a a young woman might be going through in her family, we want to be able to help them throughout the entire process. Maybe for you, you kind of feel like, you know what? I mean, I appreciate these one-time offerings. I appreciate the fact that I can give, and I want to do that, but there's something in my heart that wants to give more. I want to do more. I think about our different discipleship groups. I just heard a story this week about one of our facilitators who was just in the lives of these people, helping them move from the destitute place that they're in to walk with them through the struggles of their life. Well, sometimes in this situation, it feels like they're taking two steps forward, one step back, and that can be so frustrating sometimes. But watching people develop, not only in their life physically, but spiritually as people grow, that's the stuff of life. That's the stuff that Jesus committed himself to. You see, we get an opportunity to be a part of that as a faith community in big ways and in small ways. 
You know, there's this uh, guy, this, there's a, this, this uh, magazine called Parade Magazine, and it tells a story of a self-made millionaire named Eugene, Eugene Lang. He was challenged to go towards a, a class of 59 sixth graders. And he was there to kind of tell them about, about how they could be better in life. But what could he say to these students, most who would likely drop out of school? He wondered what he could say to this predominantly black and Puerto Rican children. What could he say to even get them to look at him? Well, in the midst of his talk that he had put together, he had put together all of his notes and he had his, his, his inspirational thing that he was gonna give to them. And in the midst of it, there was just a point where Mr. Lang sat down his notes. He put them down and he started to speak from his heart. And you know what he said? He said to these sixth graders, stay in school. And if you do, I'll help pay the college tuition for every single one of you. The magazine said this, at the moment, at that moment, the lives of these students were forever changed. For the first time, they had hope. One of the students said, I had something to look forward to, something waiting for me. It was a golden feeling. And you know what? Nearly 90% of that class went on to graduate from high school because they had hope. Because one man was willing to sacrifice and offer of himself to see what would take place in the lives of these young kids. This is the kind of good news that opens the door to the best news, that Christ has come to set us free. And we get to be a part of proclaiming that message as we seek out for opportunities to serve and invest in people's lives. And so as we prepare to close this morning, I ask, what about you? You know, maybe you've been blessed with quite a bit. Maybe you're a person who has so much. And my question is, is what are you doing with what you've been given? Are you giving it away? Are you offering it in a way that gets to be a blessing to other people? Or do you find yourself just sort of holding on to it? God has gifted you. You're free. Let's use this freedom to make a difference in people's lives. Maybe you're here this morning and you find yourself in a spot where you're saying, you know what? I experienced some level of injustice. I feel oppressed, whether it's on the inside or my circumstances. It feels like I simply cannot get ahead. I want to encourage you this morning in the same way that those people around the world who are in the most destitute of situations find themselves encouraging themselves. They remind themselves day in and day out, Christ has set me free. And that's not the end of the conversation, but for you maybe to be reminded that you have been set free this morning. Maybe even as I pray, you remind yourself of the truth of the gospel. I am free because of what Christ has done. Maybe you're here this morning and you're in a position that the way you're living your life is you've got all the quote unquote black uno cards. And with your advantage, you're playing them in a way that's disadvantaging somebody else. If that's so, the calling is to repent, to turn and say, Jesus, I choose to live in the way that you have called me to, to be a person who sets people free, to set people up for success instead of holding them down. Or maybe you're here this morning, or maybe you're online, and you don't even really know Jesus. 
And the way that you've understood Jesus to be in this whole Christianity thing is that Christianity is filled full of oppression and oppressors. But what you're hearing this morning is that Christ has come to set free, not to oppress. And if that's you this morning, I want you to know Christ is for you. Today is a day where you get to say yes to him. And so we're going to receive communion in just a moment. If you want, you can go ahead and feel free to get your elements ready. I encourage you to start with opening up the bread side first. Um, otherwise, it's going to be a rude awakening for you. I'm going to pray for us. Because I believe that before we take the cup and take the, take the cup and take the bread, our hearts need to be in the right place. Some of you, you'll be receiving communion for the very first time as a believer. And we want to say welcome you to the family. Some of us, we need to get our hearts right with God before we come before him. And so we get to take this opportunity. So allow me to pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you right now, giving you thanks that you care, that you see us and you want justice. You are a just God. You're full of mercy, you're full of grace, and you're full of truth and you're full of justice. And God, I thank you that you speak into every circumstance in the people's lives. Lord, some of us in this place feel like we simply can't get ahead. No matter what it is that we try, we feel like we can't move forward as if things are, are, are against us in ways that they should not be. And for those of us in this place this morning and online, we proclaim this morning that you have set us free. In the way that means and matters the most, you have set us free. And as you continue to reorient our heart towards that reality, Lord, I pray that you would give courage to your people to move forward in the things that you've called us to. God, some of us, we're in a spot where we have been given much, but we have not used it for your kingdom. We've held on to it. We see that you're a God who moves towards those that are outcasts, but we haven't. And this morning, we hear your calling. Lord, we repent of that and return toward you this morning and say, however you call us to serve, Lord, we say yes to that. We step into the opportunities that you give us. Lord, some are here this morning, some are online that have never said yes to you. Oh, we've turned away from you and we walked away, but this morning we're walking back to you and saying, Jesus, be the Lord and Savior of my heart. This morning I say yes to you, I choose you. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I choose the freedom that you offer me this morning. I receive you in my heart and my life. And I give you thanks, even in this moment, that they get to be a part of your family. All across this room and online, Lord, our lives are being oriented and turned towards you, saying, have your way in Jesus' name. On that night in which Jesus gave his life so that we could be set free, he said, this is my body broken for you. Let's take and eat together. Recognizing that he set us free. He said, you know, this is the cup of the new covenant. You're not bound anymore. You're free. You are free people free to be with the Father, free to know me, free to enter into the kingdom. Let's take and drink together. Jesus, we thank you for your freedom, and we worship you and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Would you stand with me as we take time to sing? Our future is heaven. 
our voices and sing. What is done? What is done? Thank you, Lord. All the glory and the honor to the Son, to you, Lord. My sins are forgiven. My future is here. 